I'm excited for you to hear from someone who, she started coming to Hope as a teenager. All by herself, she would walk to church without her parents. And Jesus has changed her life. She has been planted here for a number of years. And would you please just stand to your feet and help me welcome to this stage, Mariah Morse. Thank you, Pastor. Come on, can we give it up for our pastor? She is amazing. I love seeing those pictures of how she's leading with integrity, by example, in her family, with her marriage. Let's give it up for Pastor Ash. I love how she's leading this house to pursue God's ways with such freedom. Thank you so much. You guys can have a seat this morning. Man, I'm so thankful for her. And hey, happy student takeover. I'm not a student, but I am a teacher. And I'm so excited for the opportunity to talk to you this morning. It's such a fun way to kick off the start of the school year. I'm a fifth grade teacher for the Corning School District, and I absolutely love my job. It's fun to love your job. I love what I do. I love where I work. I love who I work with. My coworkers are amazing. Being a teacher is so fun. So some of what I say to you today will be through the lens of working in the classroom, but I believe this truth about God's word, that it transcends every profession, every season of life. Come on, and it speaks relevant truth right where you are. It's applicable to every area of your life. So obviously, as a teacher, I get really excited for the start of the school year. I feel like most teachers do. It's like why we love to teach, right? We love that everything is fresh and new. I was just walking through my classroom the other day, and I didn't want to leave, even though no one was there, just because everything looks so perfect. And I just wanted to, like, relish that moment where, like, all the pencils are perfectly sharpened, and everything is nice and neat and straight and organized, but the end of the summer, it always pulls out mixed emotions for students and teachers and families. This coming week on Tuesday, we'll have parents and um, kids coming into the building to see their new classroom and meet their new teacher. And every year I have some parents who like walk in the room like fully owning the moment and they're like, thank goodness. I'm so glad we made it here. I am so thankful for you. My child is more than ready for structure to come back into their life. And I'm like, I'm so glad that they're here. They can't stay today, but they can come tomorrow. <laughs> but I noticed that, you know, back to school can also sometimes get like a bad reputation. I hear people say to me all the time this year as a teacher, like, well, I hope you enjoyed your summer because now you're going back to work, right? And that's like kind of a bummer. And I just got back from a trip to Florida with my friends a couple weeks ago. And we were just like so pumped up and refreshed. You know that feeling when you get back from vacation? We were like ready to conquer life. And we were talking to these ladies on our shuttle at the airport. They were super sweet. They were like asking us about our trip. We were telling them about um, our trip. They were, we were asking about their trip. We're like, how was your trip? They're like, it was really great. But you know what? Yeah, it was nice, but uh, back to reality with like the shoulder shrug and the long pause. It was like, it was really depressing. We're like, ooh, well, you know what? We're glad you're back home. Life is going to be great. We're excited for you. It seems like, you know, everyone has this perspective on work. And that's what we've been talking about a little bit this series. That we live in a culture that says work isn't fun, right? If you think work is fun, you're kind of like 
crazy. Work and fun are separate. Work takes from you. It's draining. It's redundant. Work is something that you have to do, right, to make a living. But it's something that you rarely enjoy doing. And back to school is just one of those seasons that symbolizes like you're back to the grind. And it's not always in a good way. It's like a grind that we assume is going to eat away at our rest and some days steal our peace. But I want to challenge those thoughts this morning and say that God made life for so much more than just getting by. Come on, he wants us to enjoy our life. Not just check days off the calendar or just endure the week until the weekend or endure your season until it passes. That mindset, it sucks the life out of you because there's no purpose in it. And this morning, I want to say that no matter what season you're in, no matter what your rhythms look like, whether it's a back-to-school rhythm or home or work rhythms, relational rhythms, God created you to enjoy them. The Bible says that God wants to give us a rich and satisfying life, lacking no good thing. Come on, aren't you thankful for that? He wants us to enjoy our every day. So that's actually the title of our talk this morning. Enjoy your rhythms. Enjoy them. God created rhythms and seasons of life on purpose, and each one is meant to accomplish something. Ecclesiastes is the book of wisdom in the Bible, and it talks a ton about understanding the purpose and the value of the season that you're currently in. And Ecclesiastes says, for everything, there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven. There's a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck what's planted, a time to kill and a time to heal a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. The verse actually keeps going on and on and on about all the different seasons and experiences that we have in life. And that's something that I love about God's word. It is so practical. God is so in touch with the human experience. There's not an experience that we have that he doesn't fully and completely understand. God is so in touch with our rhythms in our life because he, he created them and he cares about them. And I feel like it's important to say too, you know, God doesn't create weeping and mourning. He doesn't create those seasons. We just experience them as a result of living in a fallen world. But we're going to talk about this this morning. He does use those seasons to produce really good, really, really valuable things in us. Ecclesiastes 7.2 says that sorrow is better than laughter. For by a sad countenance, the heart is made better. And I know when I was first reading this verse, I was like, I don't know, that's like kind of confusing because I, I mean, I'm never happy to be sad. You know, they're like opposites. And when does sadness like ever make anything better? But I started thinking about it and God started speaking to me. You know, the truth is that seasons of sorrow produce growth. That's what makes the heart better. It matures you inside. 
And I don't know about you, but I think back to the saddest seasons of my life so far, things that have happened, and they are the seasons, the times that have given me the most understanding and the most wisdom that I'm applying right now to the seasons I'm in, and it's making my life better. Come on. You know, that it's a wisdom that happens in those seasons that can be applied to every season that follows. And that's why, you know, the Bible says that there's a purpose for every season under heaven. They actually prepare you for the next season. They help you become more of who you're created to be. And, you know, um, God's word just, there's so much imagery. Just like we experience seasons here on earth, the four seasons, right? God has also given us seasons of life to grow and to mature us. We're about to head into fall, which is my favorite season. I'm like a big fall lover. Any fall lovers out there? I feel really passionate. I could just talk about why I love fall for forever. There's so many reasons. But to be honest, I feel like I should be transparent in this moment. It's not for the pumpkin spice lattes. Hopefully I didn't lose too many people in the room when I said that. I'm more of like a dark roast coffee person, like year-round, any dark roast people. But I just love fall for so many reasons. I love how the trees change color. That's probably my favorite part. Hopefully we have a really pretty fall this year. I love how at this time of year the weather cools down, but it's still warm. It's like perfect temperature, again, my opinion. I love the cozy feelings that you get with fall. However, winter is probably my least favorite season, which my best friend was like, well, winter's my favorite season. I was like, that's okay. You can, we can all love different seasons and different things. There's benefits to all seasons, right? But whether or not a season is your favorite, it's still worth embracing while it's here. Seasons are important, but they're also temporary. They come and they go, and they only pass once they've served their purpose. And just like each of the four seasons have a purpose here on earth, so do the seasons of our life and the rhythms that go along with that season. And that's our focus in this Root Series is understanding the importance of finding rhythms in the season that you're in. You know, seasons are a kind of rhythm. And I believe that the Bible points to three reasons why God created rhythms and why his rhythms help us enjoy life. He wants us to enjoy life. So the first reason, first point on your note sheet is that God's rhythms produce balance. His rhythms produce balance. Rhythms or patterns in life, they put us at ease, right? God created them because they produce order, peace, and predictability. And without rhythms, life would actually be really chaotic. I've never thought about it until this series, but when I started thinking about rhythms, I was like, wow, God uses rhythms all the time. Rhythms are everywhere. And all of creation is actually obedient to the rhythms that God established. There's biological rhythms, like cardiac rhythms, right? If you put your fingers on your neck like this, I'm not like a nurse, so I'm not a professional, but you can feel your pulse, right? They say the average resting heart rate for an adult is about 60 to 100 beats per minute. That's a rhythm. There's respiratory rhythms. Everybody take a big breath in and out. It's nice, isn't it? 
We breathe in and out about 22,000 times a day. I'd say that's a pretty important rhythm. And those are just a few of our body's rhythms. And without them, we can't survive. Our galaxy is dependent on rhythms. In fifth grade, in the beginning of the year, we do a unit um, earth and sun in science, and we learn that the earth orbits around the sun 365 days, which marks one. Very good. There's no pop quiz after the experience. We learn that the moon has eight phases, and it takes about 29 days to complete one lunar cycle. So, you know, these cycles in turn, they produce seasonal oceanic and ecological rhythms that keep our world in balance. And I, I don't know why I did this, but I just Googled just for fun what would happen if the lunar cycle just like disappeared. Yeah, it's really, really bad. Like the pull of moon's gravity on Earth, gravity is really important, holds our planet in place. So basically without the moon, the Earth would either have no tilt at all, which that means that we would have no seasons, which is really bad, or the earth would have a really large tilt, which apparently would cause an ice age. Who knew? But I've never been thankful for earth's rhythms before. But after thinking about that, I'm like, thank you, God, for being you and thinking about all the details that I would have never thought about, right? And the lunar cycle, that's just one. That's just one rhythm that exists. And without it, everything, life as we know it, would be thrown off balance. You know, rhythms, they're all connected. And just like, you know, the rhythms of our world, if one of them is out of sync, it impacts the overall health of an entire system. And I want to say this to you this morning. The same is true with the patterns and the rhythms of our life. God cares about the health of your rhythms. He cares about the patterns of your everyday because healthy rhythms produce balance. And balance produces a restful life. Now, we're never going to have, like, perfect balance in every area of life. If you strive for that, you're always going to be let down. You know, but with Jesus, we can have a thriving work life, home life, marriage life, single life, relational, emotional life. I didn't say perfect, but I did say thriving. And Proverbs says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, in every season you're in, acknowledge him. Put God first, and he will make your path straight. I love that truth. When you trust Jesus and you embrace his promises, he promises to direct you. Man, that just takes, like, the pressure off, right? Just that alone creates so much rest. His promises, his word, his ways lead us to a life of balance. And that leads us to our second point. God's rhythms also produce rest. So they produce balance and they produce rest. Okay, so where's all my parents and babysitters just by a show of hands? Okay, so a couple months ago, I was babysitting for one of my friends and, you know, I was given just one job, which was put the baby to bed, right? It sounds so easy. My friend was just like, you know, just turn on the TV, rock the baby to sleep, and then you get the whole night to yourself. 
and so, you know, there's like a lot of different ways to rock a baby. My favorite is like, I call it the babysitter approach. Like the baby's on your hip facing out like this. You've got like the rocking around, bouncing motion going on. You're like, you know what? I won't look at you. You don't have to look at me. Like, please just understand I'm here to do a job. It's not personal. <sighs> but when my friend left the house, I was like really confident. And he fell asleep right away. The bouncing, it worked. But then came the most important part, putting the baby in the crib, right? In like the perfect place with the, you got it, the stars have to align. Okay, if you know, you know. So you're like, you hold your breath, you're like trying to keep your arms in the perfect position. They kind of feel like they're gonna break off, maybe just mine. And you do your best to keep that bouncing motion going as long as possible. It's like a high stakes moment. But guess what? None of that mattered because every single time I laid him down, he woke up. <laughs> I don't know. I tried. Gave him my all. I'm not sure how many attempts I made that night to lay him down. It was a lot. But every single time I broke that rhythm of rocking him, he was wide awake because babies, they love to be rocked because rhythms are soothing and comforting. Babies respond to rhythms. They don't verbalize it. They don't know how to, but they crave it because rhythms bring relief and rest. And you know what? In that same way, God created rhythms in life to be soothing and to bring us relief. We don't verbalize this need either, but we crave God's rhythms. We crave his ways because life apart from the ways and rhythms of God, it's tiring. It's like a baby like waking up because they know that they're on their own. There's no comfort there. So I want to say, if you're tired or feeling overworked this morning or you're like, you know, we're starting this new rhythm and routine of back to school, but I know in like a month, man, I'm just going to feel burned out. Whatever season you're in, if you're just waiting for the next burnout, I want to say to you this morning, it's time to lean into his rhythms, to bring your life back into balance and rest. Come on. Pastor Ashley defined our Roots series with this focus, to live a deeply formed life of rhythms and relationships rooted in the ways of Jesus. That's the key. His ways. When we don't lean into the ways of God, we just naturally try to create our own rhythms to bring ourselves relief and rest because that's what we crave. But the truth is that our ways, our ideas, our best efforts are never going to be enough to create that internal rest that internal peace that we really crave. The Bible says that his ways are so much higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. So when you're feeling stressed, it's not like if, it's when, right? When you're feeling stressed, you don't have to create your own peace. That's a lot of work. Peace is already available to you in Jesus. That's good news. You don't have to work for it. It's there. 
He already established a rhythm of peace. You can try to solve your problems on your own. But when you do, just look at your results. Are you where you want to be? You know, we can solve problems on our own, but when we do, we're actually creating more work for ourselves because we're fabricating what God has already done for us. Psalm 1830 says that God's way is perfect. All of the Lord's promises prove true. He's a shield for all who look to him for protection. In our own best attempts, our own best efforts, they pale in comparison to God's perfect ways. You know, why settle for less than God's best for you? When it's already available, the best is already available to you. Isaiah 26.3 says, You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. When you're feeling overwhelmed, there's a rhythm for that. God already established it. You don't have to search for a remedy yourself. When you trust in him, the Bible says he gives you perfect peace. Without trusting for him, then you're responsible for searching for your own peace. You know, and how do you trust God? You rest the weight of your life in him. When you were seated in your chair this morning, did you give it a second thought if your chair could hold your weight? You were like, thank you so much for greeting me in such a friendly way. I just, this is normal for me, just like to sit down and just make sure that this chair is going to, you know, hold my weight. Just make sure it's working properly. No, nobody says that. Without a second thought, you just sat down. You rested, knowing that that chair underneath you is designed to hold your weight. And in that same way, you and I, we were designed to be upheld by God. You can rest the weight of your life in who Jesus is. We don't need to give it a second thought. That's the restful part. You can just trust. When we rest in him, he will not let us fall. Psalm 121 says, I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Again, that takes the pressure off so we can just enjoy our life knowing that God is for us. He's always for us, working all things for us. I love that. He makes our life secure. Finally, God's rhythms, they produce growth. That's point three on your note sheet this morning. Repeated patterns over time, they always produce an outcome. And I see this in my classroom a lot with my students, especially when we're practicing a new skill. And math is just one of those subjects that requires a lot of repetition before growth is visible. It's like practice, practice, practice. Even if it's not clicking, just keep going through the motions, and then one day it's going to click for you. And teachers know that when it comes to math, I don't know what it is about math, there is like no middle ground. Either kids love it, they're like, yes, math, or they kind of hate it. 
They're like, ooh, please, hopefully this flies by. And in fifth grade, we do a lot of decimals and fractions, which I understand, trust me, I understand, can look pretty intimidating. I was not a big math person growing up. So one of the biggest lessons that I teach every day actually has nothing to do with the math content, but instead with their mindset, right? Your mindset matters. Because until you buy into what you're doing, until you see its value, you stay stuck. So as a teacher, I always give the kids in my class permission not to love every subject area. I know I said it. You're like, you're a teacher. You should. But it's, I believe that God created us uniquely. And the kid who gets excited about math good for them. That's what they're created to do. The kid who loves science, that's what they were born to do. The kid who loves to help. They're a people person. They love to talk. We're all uniquely gifted. So I just encourage my kids, love what you love. And the the subject areas that feel more challenging, they're an opportunity for you to be developed. So when I was in school, I loved to write. Ask me to write a poem. I could literally take all day. I love writing poetry, but ask me to solve a math problem, I would also take all day. But it's because I would have done anything to avoid that process. Maybe my teacher will just forget that I'm over here working in the corner on this problem. It's okay when a student in my class doesn't love math, but their mindset about it does matter. You know, even if math doesn't feel comfortable, it's still an important skill that they need to set them up for success in their future. It still matters. So when we come up against hard problems in math, we like to get excited. We stop and we say the truth over ourselves. We say truths like, I am a problem solver. I am well able. I believe in my ability and I believe in myself. This is really powerful because Proverbs says that as a man thinks about himself, so he actually becomes. Your thoughts become your beliefs, and then your beliefs drive your outcomes. So thoughts matter. So I see this all the time, that the students who buy into these truths, they see it as an opportunity to grow. They excel. Even if math like isn't their best subject, they still make gains because they're saying, yes, I can. Yes, I can. But those who don't buy the truth about themselves and the opportunity in front of them, they limit themselves and they stay stuck. So you see, just like practicing a challenging math skill like converting decimals, rhythms are also opportunities for growth. When you have the opportunity to practice the same skill every day, that repetition can produce growth if we allow it to. And allowing opportunities outside of your comfort zone to grow you, it's a personal choice. You can choose to lean into it, lean into a challenge, and then you get all the benefits. Or you can choose to not buy into it, and then you miss out. You miss out on that growth opportunity. And when you allow God to use your everyday rhythms to produce growth in you, whether it's your work life, your marriage life, your parenting, your friendships, you benefit. Ecclesiastes 10.10 says, If the axe is dull and one does not sharpen the edge, then he must use more strength. But wisdom brings success. It's wise to let your rhythms sharpen you.
the season of life that you're in right now. Because if you don't, then certain areas of your life, if you're not letting, allowing God to sharpen you, to refine you, then just like the edge on an axe, you can become dull in certain areas. And then you're actually creating more work for yourself. Allowing the rhythms of your everyday life to drain you is not what God has for you. Lean into your season. Don't despise it. Learn from it. What you believe about your season determines what you gain from it. And you know, not every part of your season is going to be easy. But don't despise it. Let it do its work. There's a purpose for it. If you're a new parent, then let that season and its challenges grow you. If you're single, if you're married, enjoy it. Let that season develop you. If you're beginning a new job, embrace those challenges, those hardships. Let it produce something good in you. Don't let it pass by without taking hold of that opportunity. If you're a grandparent or you're retired, learn from that season. If you're in a season where something's coming to an end and you're uncomfortable with the idea of like having things change around you, we've all been there like, eh, like things the way they are. Then consider this, Ecclesiastes 7.10 says, Do not say, why were the older days better than these? For it is not wise to ask such questions. And that's simply because when you're thinking about the way things were, you're missing out on what God has for you right now. The opportunities that he has for you to grow you, develop you, sharpen you. So I tell my students all the time, stay teachable. We like to say that a lot. But this isn't just wisdom for the classroom setting. It's wise for us to do too. Look to learn from your everyday rhythms. Desire to enjoy your days. Don't dread them. Don't complain about them. Complaint never is life-giving. Instead, be thankful for the opportunities that are in front of you. Don't wish away your hours at work or at home. Don't dread getting out of your bed at the start of the day. Instead, choose your attitude and get excited. Get excited about a fresh day, a fresh gift to be all that you can be. Ask God, talk to him. Say, hey, how can I grow today? What can I learn? How can I serve people? How can I make an impact? Ask God to teach you in the season you're in. That's wise. Ask him to make you wiser, sweeter, more empathetic. You know where you want to grow. Ask him. He'll help you. And just like I tell my fifth graders, you know, it's okay not to love every subject. We can have that same outlook on the season of life that we're in. You know, when you've entered a difficult season, because they come just like winters, right? They come every year. They actually say you normally have a trial every year. It's okay not to love it. You don't have to force a smile and say that everything is okay and great if it's not. But think back to Ecclesiastes. There's a purpose for every time under heaven. There's a purpose for that season. The season that you're in right now, there's a purpose. And God is not surprised whatever your season looks like. He's not surprised by the season of life that you're in. He saw it coming. 
even if it like surprised you. <laughs> Has anyone been surprised by a season that they've stepped into? And it looks really different than what you could have imagined for yourself. So, you know, there may be some of us here today who are in one of those seasons where they probably wouldn't have chosen to be in it. We've all been there before. Maybe you're caring for a sick parent or grandparent. I've been in that season before. Maybe you're going through a divorce. Maybe your family dynamic has unexpectedly changed. You've had unexpected loss. If you're in a season where you've cried many tears, know that Jesus is with you. He hasn't left you. He hasn't forgotten about you. In fact, he's cried with you. And he promises that he makes everything beautiful in time. He wants to surprise you with his faithfulness and his kindness in this season. And wishing away a difficult season won't make it pass by any quicker. So instead, with Jesus, you can lean into hardship, knowing that God will produce growth and maturity in you. You might be thinking, I feel like these are opposites, what you're saying. You're telling me to enjoy my season, and then you're also saying, well, it's okay if you don't love it. But what I'm saying is, you don't have to, en- you don't have to love the season you're in, but you can enjoy it when you let Jesus use it to develop something purposeful in you. That's where the enjoyment comes from. And it sets you up for wisdom and strength in the season, the next season that you're in. James says, consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. You know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so you can become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. I love that. That's the attitude that we can choose when we step into a difficult season. When you walk with Jesus, even seasons of pain have purpose. Aren't you thankful for that this morning? Come on, that nothing, nothing goes to waste with Jesus. First Corinthians, yeah, it's really amazing. First Corinthians 15, 58 says, throw yourselves into the work of the master. I think for this series, we can say, throw yourselves into the work of your season. Confident that nothing you do for God is a waste of time or effort. When you honor God in everything you do, when you put him first, he will honor you in return. It's a promise. And think back to the baby story. You know, babies can't skip a season of growth. That would be like really bad. They wouldn't develop properly. They wouldn't become who they were created to be. And that's why every season, every step is of great significance. Romans 8, 28 promises that God works all things, all things together for the good of those who love him. That's a promise that brings my heart so much comfort. Psalm 35 says that God's favor, his favor is for life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Come on. Spring is coming. Seasons are temporary. 
whatever season you're walking through, don't let it pass by without allowing it to refine you. Offer it to God and allow it to make you better, not bitter. He can't bless what you don't surrender to him. And I love that verse in Romans that we've been looking at each week in this series that says, take your everyday life. That means everything you do, every step you take, there's a purpose. You're eating, sleeping, going to work, and walking around life. And place it before God as an offering. Hold on loosely to your life. Trust him with it. And allow him to use your everyday rhythms to produce growth. You know, with the four seasons, we get to experience them once a year. So if you love fall, good news. It's coming back next year. With the seasons of your life, you only get one chance. You only get one opportunity to make this season count. And not every moment is an equal opportunity moment. Because the moment that you have in front of you today, you won't get that same exact opportunity back tomorrow. It will look different. So slow down. Be present. Enjoy your rhythms. Make them count. Some days can feel long, but the years are short. And we've all heard this before. You know, there's just not enough hours. There's not enough hours in the day to do everything that needs to get done. But that is not true. The Bible says that our days are numbered. And God has given us the perfect amount of time to accomplish all that he has for us. Time is a gift from God to humanity. It produces intentionality. Time is not limiting because you have enough time. But time is limited. If you had unlimited time to do what you needed to get done, would you do anything with urgency? I mean, I know I wouldn't. Let time work for you, not against you. Embrace every day and enjoy it. See it as the gift that it is. Psalm 90.12 says, Teach us to number our days that we might gain a heart of wisdom. Knowing that our days are numbered is a gift because it helps us to enjoy each day the rhythms of our life to the fullest. God created you to enjoy your life because he created you, he knew exactly what you would love. He knew exactly what would make you happy. Like you pick out intentional gifts for your kids because you're, you're, you know, you're their parent. You know what they love. You know what they need. God has done the same for you in your life. He's a good father. And all the things that you love about your life, he handpicked for you because he wants you to enjoy the life that he's given you. And when you get to know Jesus, you realize he actually wants to free up your life as you embrace and lean into his ways and his rhythms. You become more free. He wants to take the burdens of your life, the things that feel heavy. You can trade 
for the joy and lightness that comes with relating to him. When you embrace God's rhythms, his ways, you can fully embrace your season. You don't have to strive. You don't have to work harder. You don't have to do anything in your own effort to be a better parent or coworker or friend or spouse. You can simply rest in the finished work of Jesus. All of God's rhythms are available to you right now. Embrace his ways and watch the rhythms of your life become light and easy, even fun. <laughs>